At this time, we say hi to Steve Vines. Do join us on Facebook Live if you've got any comments or questions. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning. How's it cooking? Well, I'm, I think it's time for a bold prediction. People say, how does he know this? Is he Mystic Meg? But I'm predicting that today at the National People's Congress, the so-called Chinese Parliament, they're going to vote for the national security law. Why do I know that? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they might not. Yes, right, right. Yeah, they, they, they might not. And there might have been um, a smile from Carrie Lamb. All of these things are possible in life, but they're never going to happen. All right. This so, is on. I mean, so this is a preordained deal. What's so shocking about this? I mean, among a list, but let's go to the top of the list. What's so shocking about it is these delegates, including 43 Quislings from Hong Kong, well, if anybody doesn't know what a quizzling is, look it up, um, will be voting for legislation which will only be revealed to them minutes before they actually get to vote. So, I mean, you know, it could say we will kill all the firstborn in Hong Kong and they go, oh, firstborn, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there. What's, what's, a lot what's... of reasons for that. So they, they will actually vote for this enormously crippling legislation without actually knowing its detail. In fact, the detail won't even be spelled out because what will happen after they've approved it is it goes to the standing committee, which is the part of the MPC that, that, that really matters, which has its own Hong Kong quizzling on it, who shall remain nameless, Tang Yu-chung, and that they will then spell out what they want. But what's even more shocking about this, and, and you may say, why am I shocked? Because, you know, we're, we're sort of beyond shock now. Is It's very clear that even the chief executive in name only herself doesn't know what this legislation contains. When she went before the press yesterday at this funny little briefing she does before the executive council meeting, and she was asked some questions about this and that, she made it quite clear that she had no idea what the legislation contained. Why is it done like this then? Because that's how it's always done. It's always done. I mean, the MPC is there to rubber stamp. It's not there to discuss. It's always done like this. I mean, this is a particularly uh, onerous piece of legislation. In case I didn't mention it, we are obviously talking about national security legislation. This is very onerous for Hong Kong. But, I mean, that's how the MPC always works. It brings in legislation, or rather the delegates are told you'll be voting for the following things today. Yeah. And, you know, they, besides synchronised clapping, which incidentally they're very, very good at, I challenge you to find a better assembly of synchronised clappers anywhere in the world. There's about 2,000 of them and they do it wonderfully. I've got a question for you at this point, Steve. What? So you're saying nobody knows until minutes before, etc., well, etc. What, what if it's what if it's going to affect the people that are massively gung ho for it? Don't. Yeah, it won't. Okay, it won't. I'm just trying it's to throw designed. some stuff it's, in. It's, here. It won't. It's not designed for them. It's designed for people who can think. And trust me, that is not among that group. But I mean, what uh, we're hearing now is not only will this legislation be more draconian than anything that was proposed uh, back in 2003 when, when Tung Chiwa's attempt to get a national uh, security bill through LegCo was thwarted. I mean, they're now talking about having their own uh, secret police coming into Hong Kong to enforce Well, this, this. is a no more Mr Nice Guy time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, this is where you, you wish for the happy days of the Stasi. I mean, you know, this is chilling beyond belief. You then hear these uh, reports that, 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 that as part of the deal they're going to actually 
in, uh, enshrine racism into Hong Kong's judicial system and say that any judge who isn't Chinese won't be allowed to sit and um, judge these cases. I mean, can you imagine the, the outrage if in America, for example, the Americans said, oh, well, you know, anybody who's ethnically Chinese who sits on, on the bench in America wouldn't be allowed to judge certain cases. Can you imagine what you'd hear from this same bunch of Muppets who are gleefully going, oh, well, you know, that's quite a good idea. You know, these foreigners, they might have a conflict of interest. Incidentally, they're not foreigners. These are people who, who um, by and large, this doesn't apply to, to the appeal court, but by and large in other parts of the judiciary are Hong Kongers. It's true they're not ethnic Chinese Hong Kongers, but I didn't know that it was the, the distinction was now being drawn between people with white or brown faces and people with Chinese faces. I mean, this is, this is just, I mean, the thing is bad enough, but adding this layer of racism onto the whole proceedings is beyond, I was going to say beyond anything, but every time I say that, they think up something new, which is beyond. But this is beyond. I mean, you can think of the number of, of, of distinguished members of the judiciary who've done sterling service for Hong Kong, who are not um, Chinese. And there are many, of course, who are Chinese. But the point is that the judiciary is the judiciary. It shouldn't be distinguished by virtue of the colour of a person's skin. So now we have a situation where, let's be very clear where we are, where they will be introducing legislation, wide-ranging legislation, hmm. to ban subversion, to ban treason, yeah, to ban foreign Based on what you said to start, we, I mean, yes. we don't know the minutiae. We don't know the minutiae, but we do know that in the mainland, this same type of legislation has been used simply to say all opposition is out of bounds. I mean, the, the, the charge of subverting um, the state and inciting others to avert, uh, to um, inc inciting others to incite to incite yes. um, um, subversion of the state is almost routinely what has been used to round up dissidents throughout um, the modern history of the Chinese state. The lawyers who um, defended dissidents have been rounded up for subversion. The people who've published articles um, advocating this and that reform in China have been rounded up for subversion. I mean, it's, it's the catch-all that the Communist Party uses to suppress dissent. It's nothing to do with subversion. Mm -hmm. But let's look at the lead-up to this. You know, people, and we've talked about it on this programme. What was all this business about all this discovery of terrorist plots? You know, I mean, terrorism in Hong Kong has been an awful thing, and the, and the only concrete result of it was the blowing up of half a toilet seat in, in Yunlong. That's the only actual act of terrorism that we've seen, but the rest of it is all, you know, these people are suspected, those people are suspected, we've found weapons. I must say they're very good at finding terrorist plots. They're not very good at bringing these cases to court. You remember the weapons the inspectors in, in, in Iraq and all they found was some pea, sh a pea shooter and some itching powder. <laughs> well, the itching powder, I think, is That's something that, that uh, Al-Qaeda has taken on as, as its main weapon in the fight against American imperialism. I mean, you know, we now know why all that went on, yeah. why all that went on. 
and this feigned um the, 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 i mean just to show you how desperate the the concoction of a story is the usual suspects in the slave press have been running pictures of of long hair when he was a legislator yeah long quote hong um uh, meeting a foreigner that proves, uh, in, in fact, beyond doubt, that proves collision between opposition figures and foreigners to, you know, do down the state. The one thing about Longhair, and it's a point that he made himself, is that his entire political career has been marked by very, very uh, rigid anti-Americanism. I mean, he's he's been much more anti-Americanism than any of the, 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 the usual quizlings who we're going to be seeing up in Beijing voting to suppress Hong Kong. But nevertheless, you know, it, it, it doesn't... That, that truth doesn't interfere with the ludicrous reality that has been betrayed by one photograph, long hair meets foreigner. I, I've met long hair, I'm a foreigner, so... He's probably two. trying to punt a fiver off him or something. <laughs> I think he was looking for a ciggy, but... <laughs> <laughs> can we go to our, uh, our viewers on we, Facebook we Live? We could. Yeah, uh, do join us if you can. Chuck up any comments you want there. I think mm. there's one thing everybody wants to talk about this morning. I want to say hi to Steve H, who says, does Steve think the US will really end its special status for Hong Kong, or is it just talk? Will they really go there? And whilst we're at it, good morning to David and Aussie. Will they go there, Steve? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think that we've gone beyond the point of no return. I, I'm sure people saw the statement from Mike Pompe Pompeo, sorry, Pompeo, I've got to get the name right, the Secretary of State last night, which, which basically said that Hong Kong was, could no longer be regarded as an autonomous entity within the People's Republic of China. And the consequences of that are very clear. I think trading relations will be affected, investment relations will be affected, and rather worryingly, because it will impact individuals in Hong Kong, the, the, the restrictions um, which apply to people on the mainland as far as visas for visiting um, China, will be that regime will be changed. Remember, people from Hong Kong are not subject to the same visa regime as people from the mm. mainland. You get the impression, Steve, that a lot of people in Hong Kong have indicated they're quite prepared to take one for the team on this. Well, let's see how this works out. I mean, at the moment, you've got this, this almost unbelievably potent and lethal combination of, of a, a persisting coronavirus, which gives the government the excuse to ban all political demonstrations. You've got the imposition of these new draconian laws. And you've got, I mean, just mad things going on. <laughs> I mean, last week, you get two two people from Demosisto being arrested on, on the basis of the Trade Restrictions Act, the Trade Descriptions Act, I'm sorry, for, for mislabeling masks, which they labelled not made in China. Yeah, that's an interesting I one. Mean, I was thinking well, that through, you know. You know, what, what, what we're actually seeing is, go and get them. Doesn't matter what it is, go and get we them. We never heard where they were made, though, did we? Well, we don't, didn't hear where <laughs> they were made. And, you know, these high-profile arrests for trademark violations, gosh, I didn't even know that happened in Hong Kong. Well, you know, Steve, like I always say at a time like this, they got Al Capone on tax evasion. They got Al Capone on tax evasion... And, of course, in China, what was Ai Weiwei, the distant artist, um, uh, convicted of tax evasion? I think there is, there is, there it, is a it? certain symmetry there. Yeah. So you've got all of that going on. 
And what you've also got going on, um, which is, I think, the most worrying, is that there are reports today in, in, in the Nikkei, the Japanese uh, newspaper, about how people who work for Chinese banks are being forced, this is just ordinary staff, are being forced to sign a petition saying they support this legislation. So it's not just the legislation. It's the atmosphere under which this is the coercive atmosphere. You've got to sign this to support. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And of course they will. Well, their jobs are on the line. Of course they I are. Mean, their lives the, are the, on the, the line. According to this report the in the Nikkei, if they don't sign the human resources, I always love that. It's what used to be called the, the uh, employment department. The human resources department's keeping a careful check of who does and doesn't sign. Hmm. So if, if people at the time of rising unemployment in Hong Kong, so we've, we've talked about the coronavirus, but it's also a time of rising unemployment, increased poverty, lowered living standards. All of the above. Who is going to give up a job? I don't blame those people for being coerced into signing it. What I do blame is the Quislings, the people who have no integrity who are supposed to be representing Hong Kong and would sell their grannies for a lot less mm. than they're doing at the moment. We've got three minutes until yep. the news. Would you be okay to go to an email here? By all means. Uh, join us on Facebook Live if you want to join in. Love to hear from you. Morning Brew is the page. Let's say hello to Douglas. I've popped his email up on the screen. Uh, he says, Steve? <coughs> yeah. Exco Ronnie stuck his pompadoured head above the parapet to write in a local English newspaper that national security law won't be so bad for most people. But how does he know, says Douglas? The red lines on terror, secession and subversion shift constantly. All one has to do to cross the line is to hurt the delicate feelings of a civil servant with illegal free speech or satire. Headline, does Ronnie not remember the round of LegCo DQs at the behest of the central government and a BL interpretation? Sure, other nations have these laws on the books, but they don't have the CCP decide who to, quote, target. More vanishing booksellers, he says. There's a hair out of place here, Ronnie. Suggest more grooming products. Well, I mean, we were talking about Quislings. Um, it, it, it's very sad the extent to which Ronnie Tong, who was one of the leaders, one of the leaders of the movement to prevent the enactment of um, Article 23 in 2003, mm -hmm. has now become a, a, a leading cheerleader. Let's not forget the background of this man. Um, and the line is, his line, which is the party line, of course, because they all speak the party line now, is, oh, well, if you're not preparing to uh, commit an act of treason, you're not preparing to, to be subversive, etc., etc., you really got nothing to worry about. This doesn't affect the ordinary person. Hmm. Oh, my God, how often have we heard this? In, you, you know, this is the old story in Nazi Germany. Oh, well, if you're not a Jew and you're not a communist, you've got nothing to be worried, got nothing to be worried about. This was the old line in, in Stalin's Russia. If you're not going to rise up against the state, you've got nothing to be worried about, unless you're a peasant and we killed about a couple of million of them. So it, there's a there's an absolutely, absolutely unbroken record of that line being a vicious and awful lie. Mm. Well, so thank you, Ronnie, for being a, a perpetrator of it. Douglas actually takes us back to where you started this morning. He said, how does he know? And that's point indeed. We're going to go to the news. We're going to keep it all switched on. If you'd like to join us on Facebook Live, please do. Morning, Bruce. Radio Free. OK, Steve, all yours. Well, I just 
picking up from the bulletin there. Um, we, we, we just heard that, that um, the president of LegCo, Andrew Learn, has ruled out any um, discussion of this pending legislation. I mean, he wants to make sure that the, the national anthem bill goes through and says, oh, I can't see any urgency in discussing the, the biggest piece of legislation to affect Hong Kong since the creation of the Special Administrative Region over two decades ago. Apparently no urgency in that whatsoever. Legislators here not only have had no say because they've been bypassed by the NPC decision, have had no say in the drafting of this law, but they have um, been told that they can't even talk about it. They can't even raise a motion about it. We've got to get the National Anthem. I can't tell you how urgent it is to get correct singing of the National Anthem. Well, thereby on, hangs another on, tale. On what the are books? the intricacies of this? I mean, if you sing it in, off-key or, well, you know, I'm not being... I'm being semi-stupid, but... I, I don't know. What, I mean, would that, would you know, that constitute... If you swing it instead of do that, it straight, would that you, constitute you're going to go to jazz mockery of the, uh, of the March of the Volunteers? Um, Scooby-bitty-ba-ba. You know, yeah, boy, exactly. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. This is this is where we are because in drafting these draconian laws, they always make them open ended, so you don't know, and it it then comes down to enforcement, and we know now what's happening, in um in the legal department in its um, prosecutions division, it's acting overtly politically, you know you have a policeman's uh, wife or she actually I think she was a policeman herself arrested for for drug dealing. Department of, of Justice says, oh, I don't see why we should be prosecuting that. I mean, that's a small example, but it's where we are. It's the small examples that send people nuts, like the bloke apparently nicking a bottle of water. Yes. I mean, I you'd mean, think, what? A policeman on duty... But everybody in, went apoplectic about a it. A policeman on duty in uniform, going into a convenience store, nicking a bottle of water. Could have at least had the I tequila, mean, couldn't he? I mean, where are we? I mean, you know, this is this is something that costs a few dollars. But, I mean, honestly... If the standards of the police force are that low that this sort of behaviour is now tolerated, including drug dealing, my God, do you we're, find we're, it's we're, the... we're, we're, in, we're, we're not in a place. I mean, the, the standing of the police force in Hong Kong is, is, is dropping so far that I'm not quite sure whether it can drop any further. It has a hardcore of supporters and nobody else. And, you know, when people say that police, when people see that policemen can act with immunity like this, you really do wonder. I mean, it's part of a composite picture. And the more you see the picture, the greyer it looks. A couple of questions for you, similar and short. On our Facebook page, hello to Tommy Warden. So, Steve, do you anticipate trouble down the road for us long-time foreign PR holders in terms of our status here? And Stephen says, um, I'd asked quite a while ago whether Steve agreed if Hong Kong has gone to the dogs. At the time, he was forever the optimist. Does he now think that we've reached the end of Hong Kong as we've known it and we will follow his comparison with demise of Beirut as a financial centre? Well, let's take those in order. The first one is... Tommy. It used to be the case that you took for granted that if you were a permanent resident of Hong Kong, you, you were what it said on the tin, a permanent resident. Permanent, to my mean, mind, means forever. I think everything is up for grabs now. If you are suddenly um, designated as a person who, who has subversive thoughts, and remember, thought crime is going to be part of this, no doubt about it. It won't just be actions. Thought crime, the Orwellian charge of thought crime, 
we will be start seeing parading its way through the courts in in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> then we come to the question of optimism, and uh, I have to thank my name, namesake for reminding me that I, I have all these years have always said, you know what, Hong Kong is strong enough to get over this, and we should remember that. Um, However bad things are, Hong Kong has a unique spirit. I have to say, my confidence is shattered. I, I am not that optimistic anymore. I, when I first heard, and remember, this only occurred last week. Uh. This, is, this has moved with breakneck speed. When I heard about this last week, I, I have to say, I spent a whole day being amazingly depressed, followed by other days being amazingly angry. Mm. I mean, the party is not over. I, I would never say that about Hong Kong. You, anybody who's voting um, on the Hong Kong is dead um, doesn't doesn't have me as a supporter. Are we likely to get surprised? Do you know, occasionally when things go right to the wire, something comes out of the blue and it's totally what nobody expected. Trump is hinting that, but I think we'll yeah, come on I to that in a minute I, too. I, I'm completely uninterested in, in, in Trump's analysis of what's happening in China because it changes by the day, you know. Xi Jinping is my best friend. Xi Jinping is my worst enemy. I, I mean, you know. Yeah, well, right I, I, now. Yeah, right now he's the enemy. I mean, God knows what he'll be by Tuesday next week. I don't know. I mean, I think um, the, the problem with this is that, that it, it's playing out according to a script that's unfortunately very familiar in the way that the Chinese Communist Party operates. And I think I would just say in parenthesis... Do not forget that one reason why we're seeing this has nothing to do with Hong Kong whatsoever and has a lot to do with the position of Xi Jinping president for life. Now, to sustain that role as president for life, to sustain his position, and remember Xi Jinping thought has been incorporated into the constitution, something that hasn't happened since Mao Zedong thought was incorporated into the constitution in the 1960s to to sustain that level of authority he also has to sustain his credibility not with the people because the people have no say but with the small coterie of people who matter in Zhongnanhai the, the the seat of government in Beijing and these are people who can sniff out weakness like a rat up a you know up a drain pipe they have a sense of smell for weakness that is beyond anything that most normal people have. If they think that she is faltering, they will pounce. Let's go to another story I've just nicked from our RTHK news page. And it's an interesting one here. I'm putting it up on our screen as we speak. Join us on Facebook Live. It says, US businesses urge Trump to go slow on Hong Kong. They're urging him to go slowly and responding to Beijing's planned imposition of new national security laws. Warning, revoking the city's special privileges will hurt the territory and its people. He well, goes. I'm worried about this too. I am. I mean, I, I, I understand why there has been the response. As you said earlier, when before the break, it's not just from America. You, you've heard from countries in Europe who have been notably, notably cautious in, in preserving their relations with China, you know, haven't in the past have been um, using the sort of language they've been using this week. Like, you know, one, one uh, European Union official saying, you know, we've got to be realistic. We've got to reset our relations with the mainland. So it's not just America. I think other countries will be acting. 
the problem with these juggernauts is that the little people get crushed. I am worried about mm. that. I mean, I understand why they may be doing this, but I think they should exercise these sanctions with some care because I'm not worried about, um, you know, Quislings being barred from going to America. That doesn't bother me in the slightest bit. They deserve that. But I am worried about, for example, um, onerous visa um, restrictions on ordinary Hong Kong people. I am worried about access to technology within Hong Kong from American companies. Those sort of things worry me. But, you know, we're, we're, we're in such an unhappy place that I, I, I find it hard to say that there won't be collateral damage. There, there'll be actual damage and then there'll be collateral damage. God knows where all this will end. Yeah, I've got another question from Facebook page. It says, what does Steve think about Taiwan opening up the conversation of being a place for Hong Kongers to go? What do you reckon? Well, I mean, that, that boat is already sailing. I think that immigration, last time I looked, from Hong Kong to Taiwan is up by about 40%. The, 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 there's a lot of talk about Taiwan being a haven and a refuge. I mean, boy, is this history repeating itself? Remember, Taiwan was this tiny little island, Japanese-occupied island, until the end of Second World War. And then it became the place of refuge for members of the Kuomintang who'd been defeated in China's civil war. Will it become the place of refuge for Democrats defeated in Hong Kong? Defeated for the moment, I'm not saying forever. Mm. Well, the answer is people are already moving there. Yeah. So I think the answer is yes. I've been putting an article up on our screen here, courtesy of uh, Hong Kong Free Press. You can have a quick look if you want, <coughs> but the headline says it all. And we're, see we're seeing lots of pictures of Jai Ing-wen in the top of the, of the yeah. news right now. I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, remember that, that, that she was re-elected as president at the beginning of this year in January. Yeah almost entirely on the basis of telling the Taiwan people, if you want to happen to you what's happened to the people of oh, Hong yeah. Kong, go and vote for the Kuomintang. Remember, that was the election that everybody thought she would lose mm. until the Hong Kong protests began. Okay. In, in early 2019, the Kuomintang were sweeping all before them. They just had these enormous victories in the mayoral elections the year before, and it really did look as though Chiang Wan was on her way out. She then came back with this stomping victory, and the stomping victory was thanks to uh, the actions of, of the PRC in Hong Kong. And nobody who I've read who's looked at the Taiwan election results has any other interpretation of why she did so well and they did so badly, and why, incidentally, the Kuomintang now no longer no longer dares tell the people of Taiwan that they support one country, two systems. Because yeah. if they want to lose even more support, that is a surefire way of doing it. Quick email from Dave here. He says, <coughs> and I don't know the answer, actually, I can't remember. Did Andrew Leung ever give up his British passport? Did who? Did Andrew Leung ever give up his British passport, Legco Chen? I, I assume he did. Yeah. Or put it in I a think, drawer. I think the laws... It, I, I think in the same way as Carrie, uh, Carrie Lamb has given up her British passport, but her husband to. has it and her two sons have it. I think I mean, all of these... What I love about all these flag wavers and ultra-patriots is they've all got the escape plan. Isn't that amazing? Well, they're not stupid. They, they say, we love the motherland, the motherland can do no wrong. Uh, by the way, we've got a 
bank account in the British Virgin Islands and we've got a foreign passport. We might, I might not have it, but my wife has it, my daughter has it, well, my boom, son done. has it. You know, all of these screaming hypocrites have an exit plan. Isn't that amazing? Let's go to a couple of interesting messages here. Bob, would a... Bob's writing to us on Facebook. Get on there and join him if you uh, have a moment. Would a change in the BNO's status be a good or bad thing? More damaging for Hong Kongers than doing zilch? Question mark. Well, I mean, you, you know, I, I think the worst possible thing for Hong Kong would be for good people to leave. I think that would be an awful thing for Hong Kong. But, you know, if the elite can have an escape plan, if all these people who claim that they love the motherland so vigorously that they have to take out a foreign passport have an escape plan, I think it's only fair that other people have an escape route. And, you know, Britain's shameful decision before the handover in 1997 mm. to only grant a travel document to uh, people in Hong Kong, the BNO, which yeah. is the British National Overseas Passport, and is, is a, a limited travel document and bestows absolutely no rights of residence on, on holders of that, was a disgrace, in marked contrast, incidentally, mm. to what Portugal did for the people of Macau, who were given full Portuguese passports if they were living there before the handover in 1999. So, I don't know, but I think Britain if it wants to show some semblance of self-respect in this matter, we'll have to transfer the BNO into a, into a right of citizenship. Kind of After all those years? Anyway, well, it, it, incidentally, it doesn't involve that many people. There's right. no, there, there, at the moment, I think there's no more than about 200,000 holders of BNOs. Now, there are other people entitled to it. Mm. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be... Um, it's by no means the majority of the population. Let's go to another one from Andy, who writes to us on Facebook. Haven't most non-ethically Chinese residents of Hong Kong long disliked and questioned the use of the term foreigner? It's bad enough that despite decades of citizenship and taxpaying in Hong Kong, that we are charged for visit visas to visit mainland China through the, what's it? Uh, unlike ethnic Chinese, Hong Kongers may as well dissolve the not-so-useful Equal Opportunities Office here. I didn't, do you know, this is, this is on the back of a comment from Tommy, and he just used the word because it was easier, basically. Yeah. But Andy, thanks. Yeah, well, I mean, he has a point. I mean, at what point do, 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 do those of us who've lived here for decades... At what point are we allowed to call ourselves Hong Kongers? I, I find it's very weird. I mean, I come from Britain, which essentially is a multi-ethnic country now. Yeah. And the, the idea that people who look different from other people are somehow... Well, that's the world, not British, isn't it? <laughs> that's the absolute well, that world. That is the world. I mean, you know, there are pockets of the world where vile discrimination still exists. And there, there are countries like Hungary who are trying to bring back the glory days of Nazism. But in most civilised societies, if you've made a commitment to the place where you're living, you pay taxes there, you, you've invested both money and yourself in that society, I think you're entitled to call yourself, in this case, a Hong Konger. Mm. Uh, um, and proudly to do so, incidentally. All right, then. Well, thanks for some great comments and questions and bits and pieces on our Morning Brew Facebook page. Time for one more. Shall we just do a little one, which has nothing to do with this whatsoever? But I was very, very sad to see that the, the, the long, long-standing Swindon bookshop in... Um, I'm trying to remember which street it is. Oh, it's in Lock Road in Chim Sa Choi. 
is apparently heavily in debt and is about to close down. I mean, I know that all bookshops in Hong Kong are under extreme pressure. I mean, I'm glad to see that the bookazine train is is still surviving. But Swindon, that's that's a bookshop that not only has been there forever, it's a really nice bookshop to visit. If you haven't been there, go there while stocks last. I don't think it's actually quite closed. Yeah. But uh, generations of Hong Kongers who I know went through Swindon Bookshop, and it, it, it will be a terrible loss. I mean, I'm, I'm a great believer in bookshops. I, I have to admit, I do buy books online, but where possible, I always go to a bookshop. Not, not, not because of some, you know, great altruism. It's because I like the physicality of it. You like books, isn't it? I like books, and I like the physicality of buying them. Swindon, R.I.P. All right. Well, here end of today's lesson. Thanks very much to Steve Vines. Back with me at the same time next week here on The Morning Brew.